In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, today in, in today's gospel lesson, Jesus heals a man who was deaf. And he did this with nothing else but the word of his voice. Now, the first thing I want to drive home is that the miracles of Jesus are historical events. In other words, they're actual events that happened in an actual place at an actual time to an actual human being. And this poor man was deaf and had a speech impediment and Jesus truly and actually healed him. Now, in years past, I've uh, preached about how Jesus heals him. So I'm just going to go through it briefly here today in case you missed it or don't remember. Uh, But to heal this man, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears uh, and then he spits and then touches the man's tongue. And then he looks up to heaven and he sighs and he says, Epitha, which means be opened. And at first glance, it seems like it's some sort of bizarre ritual, but it's not. Jesus is simply communicating with that man with some sort of improvised sign language. So he's telling the man what he's going to do before he does it. So when Jesus puts his fingers in the man's ears, he's saying, this is the thing I'm going to be healing. These ears are closed, but they're going to be opened. And when Jesus spits and touches the man's tongue, he's saying, look, as, and as a result of your hearing coming back, the speech impediment that you have is going to go away. And he touches his tongue. It will not stick to your mouth. It will loosen. And then when Jesus looks to heaven, he says, it's as if he's saying, look, this is who I am. This is where I came from. And the power to heal you is coming from heaven itself. It's coming from God. And when Jesus sighed and groaned so that everyone would hear him, he was letting this man and everyone else know that he grieves over our poor, miserable condition, the consequence of our sin. Jesus created ears to hear and tongues to speak, but sin has closed both of them for this man. And when Jesus said, Epitha, he was speaking to those closed and dead ears. And they listened. Those ears couldn't hear anyone else's voice, but they heard his. Now, this is an actual historical event that proves to us that the wages of sin is death. This is our poor, miserable condition that our eyes, our ears, our reason, senses, all of our members don't work like they should. However, this account also teaches us that Jesus is God. He is God of God. And so just as he created the world with a word, so too he recreates this man's ears with the same word. And it proves that Jesus is God. So here we've suffered for millennia, uh, pouring millions or billions of dollars into research, performing surgeries, creating devices, all sorts of things to undo deafness. As a, which is a consequence of sin. And here Jesus comes along and with one word, he puts it all to shame. And all he says is with his voice, he says, be opened. And it is. So that is the first thing I want you to take to heart is that in the resurrection, Jesus will physically restore everything that is wrong with your body right now or that will be wrong with your body. He will restore your body to how it was intended to be. Whatever is not working now will work when you see the Lord's face. This is an actual miracle showing you what the day of the resurrection will be like. Okay. With that in mind, the second thing I want you to focus on in this sermon is this. 
is that the man's physical condition, the deaf man's physical condition, is a very good depiction of our spiritual condition. And this is why. This man was deaf, and because he couldn't hear, he had a speech impediment. Notice, it's not that he was mute. It's not that he couldn't talk. It wasn't that he couldn't talk at all. It's that when he tried to talk, he only mimicked the sounds that he thought he was hearing. It was all muffled and distorted. And so those sounds came out of his mouth, which were muffled and distorted and incorrect. So he was trying to repeat what he heard, but it was some uh, monstrosity of the, the words that he was hearing. He didn't hear the words clearly, and so therefore he couldn't talk clearly. That's what the text is telling us. That's how inextricably connected your ears and your mouth are. These things you cannot uh, separate. Okay, so that describes our sinful condition really well. The Bible is replete with examples and verses about our uh, so-called spiritual deafness. So I'm going to quote a few. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 20 says, Though your ears are open, you do not hear. In other words, you can hear the noises of the word of God and it sounds just fine, but you can't hear the truth of it, the word of God or the gospel on your own. Your ears are closed and not understanding it. Uh, Ezekiel 12, 2 says, Son of man, you live in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see but don't see, ears to hear but don't hear. In Matthew chapter 13, 13, Jesus himself says, This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they don't see, and hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand. So simply put, in your natural state, your ears cannot hear the noise, or they can hear the noise of God's word, but they can't discern or understand it well. And this is our natural and default spiritual condition, that the world cannot hear the truth. They, they just can't understand it, no matter how you say it. It doesn't matter how loudly you say it, if you say it kindly, if you say it angrily, if you say it in church, if you say it on the street corner, whatever it is, the world hears it and they can't hear, they can't understand what this is for or what it's saying. They know you're talking, but they don't quite know what is going on. And so, when the world tries to articulate what Christians believe, it always comes out wrong. It always comes out as a distortion or perversion of what is true. Now, this, this is in fact where other, all other religions come from. It comes from a mishearing and a misunderstanding of the truth. So, you'll notice that all religions have something that sounds familiar, that sounds Christian in it, kind of, but it's not quite right. So they say things that sound like it's Christian, but it's not. And these, similar, these similarities and familiarities are not because Christianity has borrowed from these religions, as some will claim. It's actually that the other religions have taken the truth of the word and distorted it. And that, that's why it kind of sounds familiar. So this is precisely what Romans chapter 1 teaches us. It says, it says this, it's a... It's a good paragraph, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read it. It says, What can be known about God is plain to them, that is the world, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. 
So they're without excuse. Now here it is. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Rather, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So, every, na- every single nation in the world throughout history has had some sort of religion. They've had stories of their gods, uh, the creation of the world, how to live life, salvation from this uh, uh, life of sorrow. And this is because they simply looked at the world, they looked at their existence, the consciousness, uh, the design of the entire world, the balance of the world, the universe, the enormity of it. And then they came to the right conclusion that, look, there has to be somebody who made this. This can't be random. This didn't just come out of nowhere. So there has to be some intelligent being, some creator, and uh, it's too detailed and magnificent to be random or to come from nothing. So, and we all long to be saved. We all share a common morality. And there's got to be a purpose to this life. So that much they get right. But when it comes down to who created it and where we came from and where we're going and how we're going to get there, that's what they get wrong. They got some of the truth, but not all of it. It's, it's distorted. And that's what I'm getting at. That other religions are not different versions of the truth. They're not different pieces or parts of the truth. They are perversions of the truth. The world clearly sees and comes to the conclusion that there is a God, but they spit out a garbled or twisted version and teaching of who that God is. So they speak of an afterlife, but they have a different definition of what that is. They speak of God, but they mean someone entirely different. They speak of sacrifice, but they're not talking about God's sacrifice for you, but your sacrifice for God. Uh, They they don't understand the forgiveness of sins. Now, it it doesn't just go for religion, but it also goes for everything God created. So on their best day, the world can only spit out some deformed half-truth of what really is. The world hasn't gotten rid of marriage. Rather, they simply have a twisted version of what marriage is. They believe the world hasn't gotten rid of virtue and vice, but they've inverted what virtue and vice are. They call evil good and good evil. They believe in freedom, but they distort that freedom to mean that you can end the life of a child in a womb. So they haven't abolished these things, marriage or life or children or love or goodness or sin or order. They know they exist, but they just don't know what they really are. They cannot define it clearly. So that's what the world does to the truth. And this is the world you've come from. And that means that your ears, too, were once closed to the truth of God's word. And so that means that you can always fall back into the same state from which the Lord saved you. God has opened your ears, but if you no longer hear God's word, then your ears will close again. The less you pay attention to the gospel, the less you will understand it. The less you hear the gospel, the less you're going to be able to hear the gospel. 
Now, you know this well. You, you, you guys, in fact, you guys tell me. Uh, you have friends and family that grew up in church hearing the same gospel of the forgiveness of sins through the death of Jesus, the Lord, who loves you. However, somewhere along the line, they stopped hearing it. And they stopped listening. And so they missed a few Sundays here and there. And sports and entertainment take over the schedule on Sunday. And TV and laziness gets in the way of praying and doing devotions at home. And after some time, they forget the gospel. They think they know. They, they, they think the version of the gospel that they're speaking is the right one. But it's a, it's a distorted, it's a different one. Now, I've noticed this too with members in church. Uh, when I talk to members after they haven't been to church in a while, when they've been away from the word for a time, when I, uh, then finally talking to them again, when I hear them talk, they talk differently. Uh, they don't speak as clearly. They sound less Christian, right? And, and I've noticed that, uh, that you'll sometimes say certain words and certain phrases. You'll have these new ways of speaking and start saying things that you haven't said before. And, you, and then sometimes they'll have a different stance on marriage completely or a different stance on abortion or heaven or who goes to heaven, all these things. You'll talk about sin differently, like it's not a big deal. You'll sigh or yawn at the gospel. You don't find the word exciting anymore or beautiful. When you try to go through the liturgy, you stumble and you forget it. And that's because your ears are well on their way to closing. I've also noticed that those who stop hearing the word, the gospel, become more worried and anxious than usual. They will fret more. They're on edge more. They're more unloving or unkind. And then when I try to comfort them with the gospel of God's love and favor in Christ and say, look, uh, this is what the Lord has done for you. He forgives your sins. It just doesn't do much anymore. It's like they, they, it's a different word to them. It's foreign. They can't hear it and they don't understand it. And they hear the gospel but they don't understand or hear the comfort of the gospel. So if your manner of speaking has changed, then that means your heart has changed because the Bible says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're speaking a half true or mixed up or garbled up thing about God, then that's because your ears are closing to the truth and the word is no longer clearly getting into your heart and therefore you're not speaking it clearly. Well, this cuts both, both ways, though. And this means that when God opens your ears to hear the gospel with the gospel, then you start to speak and articulate the gospel clearly. And I've noticed this, too, that those of you who come to church regularly, who hear the word of God in sermons or Bible studies and so on, you begin to speak and articulate the faith in a clearer way than you ever have. It's not garbled. It's, you're precise. You're accurate. You're speaking fluently like a child of God. You assert the truth. And then over the months and years, uh, I see you grow and, and, and I hear you making a better and more clear confession of faith as time goes on. E even more, you begin to have the mind of Christ and you start to think like a Christian. And you're drawing conclusions with the word of God uh, for situations in your life. And then on top of that, I see you speak more uh, kindly and more lovingly and more patiently and better to others. You're more forgiving. 
You cover each other's faults. You encourage one another uh, to faith in God and you quote God's word to one another. And that's because the word you hear changes your heart and as a result changes the way you speak. Uh, Now, I'm getting ready to close, but I want to show you an example of some of your fellow Christians who have heard the truth of the gospel, though they were once deaf to it. They, they, they thought they knew what was happening, and then their ears were opened, and then they knew what was happening. So a couple of years ago, we had a missionary come to Zion from Togo, Africa, and he told us uh, what they did for their baptisms. Uh, many in Togo have false gods. They're pagans, and they have many, many different gods and uh, idols and statues and Um, And they had amulets and good luck charms and these sort of things. Uh, But through the preaching of the word, through this missionary, they heard the truth of God's word. And God opened their ears. And they realized that all the things that they thought they received from these little trinkets and false gods and idols were actually gifts from the true God, the only true God. And they realized that and they heard it and they learned the truth. So they were converted, and on the day of their baptism, the pastor would get a bucket of water and a fire pit. And these adult converts would come forward before the church with a bag full of their old idols and pictures and statues and false gods. And the pastor would ask, he would say, do you renounce the devil? Do you renounce all his works? Do you renounce all his ways? And the converted Christian would say, yes. I renounce the devil and all his works and ways. And then they would take that bag of false idols and cards and amulets and whatever, and they would throw them into the burning fire in that fire pit. And then they would watch as these idols would melt and turn to ashes. And then he would ask them, do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, and the forgiveness of sins, and they would say, yes, I believe. Their ears were open to hear the truth of God. And so they stopped praising those idols and images and instead learned that it was never those things that helped them, but it was God the entire time, the God who loved them, who sacrificed himself for them, who poured out his blood for them, who opened their ears to hear that. And that is the point. How were their ears opened to hear the truth, finally? It was with the word and the word alone. And so the same goes for you. You cannot prepare yourself to hear the word of God. Taking some time off uh, to gather yourself or to get your life in order before coming to church to hear the gospel, whatever it might be, will not help you. That will not help you. You cannot prepare yourself. Only God's word can prepare you. If you find that you're no longer having joy in the gospel, if when preaching, hearing the gospel, you just don't find the comfort and the joy that you once had before, then the only thing that you need is then to hear the gospel. God's word prepares you to hear his word. His word causes you to hear his word. The very thing you need now is a thing that you will always need. When your ears are closing, when the word becomes boring to you, when you become uh, distracted, when you're not paying attention, then listen to the word all the more. So dear saints, God has opened your ears once again with his holy gospel. 
And he keeps them open here today with his gospel. To hear and to hear the comfort and understand that this is for you. He's opened your ears to hear this, that he loves you, that he is not angry with you, that he forgives you, that he has created you, redeemed you, and sanctified you, and that when he died on the cross and closed his ears in death, that's when he opened for you the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus did on the cross for you is for your salvation. And he did it all, and he forgives your sins. And he wants nothing more than that you would hear it, how much he loves you, and all he did to save you. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.